I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations in the name of our Lord. I hope you're having a fabuloso day. Uh, good day to you from Paige. That's me, your caffeine-imbued host for another episode of the Coffee Bible and Page, where I read a chapter out of the Bible and I think with my mouth open. Um, have you ever thought... I mean, really, I mean, you were absolutely dead certain that you've heard from God about something that you were to do or someplace you were to go or whatever. And when you do or go, when you do whatever it is you're sure he told you to do, um, it doesn't turn out like he thought it would. And you begin to perhaps question if you'd heard him correctly. Well, that isn't exactly what's happening in today's uh, chapter with Moses, but it's what occurred to me. Let's go look at it here. Let me give you some background. Moses had been uh, speaking with God uh, at the burning bush, right? And the Lord was very, 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 very plain to him. You know, up here in chapter four, chapter three, excuse me. And he said, that he was going to see. Who should I? All right, here we go. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Okay, it's a pretty big deal. Um, basically, he's telling them that you are going to lead Israel, this huge mess of people down in Egypt. You're going to lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses fusses with God and argues with them, if you will, uh, saying, I can't speak, I can't talk. Uh, surely there's somebody else. And you can see that his confidence has been totally knocked out of him, first of all, by what had happened 40 years previous when he had stood up for his people Israel as a member of Pharaoh's court and had to leave the kingdom because he killed an Egyptian soldier and the Pharaoh was, got angry with him and tried to kill him. So, And then he spent the last 40 years in a rather peaceful existence as a shepherd uh, in Midian. He's got a wife, children, right? Gosh, uh, things are going pretty good. And now this bush starts burning and the bush starts talking and says, you're going to go down to Egypt. You're going to bring my people out. All right. That's the plan. Um, he says, the elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to them, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey to the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But 
He does warn him. He says, I know that the king of Egypt won't let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I'm going to stretch out my hand, and I'm going to strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I'll perform among them, and after that he'll let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people, so that when you leave, you won't go empty-handed. So Moses, you're going to go down there. You're going to say, let my people go. Pharaoh's going to say, nah, I don't think so. The Lord says, then I'm going to show a bunch of mighty wonders, and boom, he's going to let you go. Sounds like a plan, right? It is exactly how it worked out, but I'm I'm still reminded of the of the thing that um, Mike Tyson, heavy former heavyweight champion of the world, said. He said everyone has a plan when they step into the ring until they get hit in the mouth the first time. <laughs> Moses had a plan, and God told him what the plan was. God even told him how it was going to play out. But then when you take a step from the conception of the plan into the operation of the plan, things sometimes appear different. Uh, when I first became a Christian, when I bowed my knee to Christ for the first time, boot camp, 1975, I heard God say so clearly and plainly to me, I have a ministry for you. Now, I knew what that meant. I just did. I was going to be a preacher or I was going to be a worship pastor. Back then we called them uh, music ministers, ministers of music. Um, to me, that's what ministry was. God had made his plan very plain to me. He spoke very plainly. I have a ministry for you. And I. it never worked. When, when I went to implement this plan to get into the ministry... Doors were continually shut, being shut in my face. I didn't understand God. And it wasn't until years later that I discovered what this ministry he had for me was. Now, that wasn't Moses' problem. He understood God very plainly. In fact, he had a very detailed conversation with God. He knew it was going to happen. But still, put yourself in Moses' shoes. He's going to go to the Pharaoh. He comes down. Aaron meets him halfway. Aaron is, is, un, is one of the elders of Israel. And he brings him back and uh, brings Moses back. And let's see here what happens next. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to the Pharaoh. All right, they've been to the elders. They've talked to Israel, said what's going to happen. And now they to go talk to Pharaoh and say, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Let my people go so they may hold a festival to me. In the wilderness, Pharaoh said, oh, he was going to eat these words later. And you know how, if you know how the story goes, Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? In Egypt, Pharaoh was a God, the God. Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. Pretty plain speech. Then they said, but the God of Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you're stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. 
You are no longer to supply the people with the straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That's why they're crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Then the slave drivers and the overseers went out and said to the people, This is what Pharaoh says. I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, Complete the work required of you for each day, just as when you had straw. And Pharaoh's slave drivers beat the Israelite overseers that they had appointed, demanding, Why haven't you met your quota of bricks yesterday and today as before? Then the Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh. Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we're told make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. Pharaoh said, lazy, that's what you are, lazy. That's why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now, get to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. The Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required for you each day. And when they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Moses returned to the Lord and said, why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. All right, so Moses seems to have forgotten a clear part of God's words to him when God told him, hey, Pharaoh's going to resist you. He's not going to let you go. Uh, but he's going to have to, we're going to have, he's going to have to be, he's going to have to see the mighty wonders that I'm going to produce that will compel him to let you go. But he's not going to want to let you go. Well, battle has been joined, and the Pharaoh outmaneuvered Moses in this very first confrontation. His achievement included the discrediting of the two leaders, Moses and Aaron, in the sight of the Israelites. They're angry with them. You say you come to deliver us from Egypt. You go talk to the Pharaoh. God sent you, blah, 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 and here we are. Now we have to make bricks. We have to go get our own straw. Thanks, a lot, Moses and Aaron. This wouldn't be the first time these people bowed up against Aaron and Moses. Moses might have been expecting instant deliverance, but that's been laid in the dust. Pharaoh's not going to let go. This is a battle has been the battle has been joined. Sometimes when God all right, I'm speaking in terms of me. This is Paige talking. Um, Paige talking about Paige. There have been times in my Christian walk when I have been dead certain about what God had to say uh, about certain things. Um, I knew what God was going to do. I knew where God was going to take us. But 
It didn't happen in the timetable that I just assumed it was going to happen. For instance, this ministry thing. It took me over 20 years before I found myself in the ministry that God had prepared for me. In fact, prior to that ministry, there was another ministry they'd had me involved in. And in a nutshell, it was one day when I was talking to God, I said, God, you promised me ministry. What about my ministry? And I felt God telling me, you have a ministry. You're a husband, you're a father, you're a friend. Fulfill your ministry. Do what's at hand to do. Be a husband that loves his wife like Christ loved the church. Be a father who raises his children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Be a friend. Love your friend. Love your neighbors. That's your ministry. And that's an important ministry. What I hadn't realized is that I was looking for a place of importance in the church. An office with a brass nameplate on it. Uh, and that was my ministry. And then years later, when I started teaching, uh, probably my late 40s, um, let's see, 2001, so let's see, yeah, when I was 45, 46, I started teaching. And that's when I realized my ministry in the body of Christ, the church, is to teach music to its young musicians. That's my place. That's what I do. And that's my ministry. But it took me a lot of years to come to the point where I realized that. And at times, I thought that I had totally missed it because it hadn't happened yet. It didn't happen right away. you got to realize, God is not the slave to time that you and I are. God gave me a promise for ministry in 1975 that I didn't really realize my ministry in the body of Christ until 2001. That's 26 years later. And it was at least 10 years before I realized that my primary ministry, believe it or not, was going to be to my family, my wife and my children. And that that is every much and as important a ministry as anything else that's going on that's called ministry. But being the slave to time that I am, it seemed to take forever for me to figure this out. And I felt the frustration of it. And at times I got angry because I just didn't understand. I knew I'd heard from God. And when was this ministry thing going to take place? It was, ah, it didn't happen overnight. Well, if Moses thought that he was going to march in to the Pharaoh's court with Aaron and say, let my people go, God says, let my people go, and that Pharaoh's going to go, oh my goodness, yes, go worship Jehovah, have a nice day. He was going to be sorely mistaken. He was going to be going toe-to-toe with perhaps one of the most powerful rulers in the known world. And we're going to discover as this whole drama plays out that Pharaoh hardens his heart. In fact, that's you're going to hear that phrase pretty consistently. After Moses and or Aaron does one of these marvels and wonders and miracles, it says, and Pharaoh was ready to let them go, but Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then at, at some point in the process, you start hearing 
not Pharaoh hardens his heart, but God hardens Pharaoh's heart. God's giving Pharaoh what he wants. Pharaoh doesn't want anything to do with God. He doesn't want anything uh, to do with God or his ways, and he wants to oppose God. So God actually strengthens Pharaoh so that Pharaoh can oppose God. I know it sounds kind of convoluted, but in essence, God is going to give Pharaoh what Pharaoh wants. You want to be my enemy, Pharaoh? Guess what? I'm going to strengthen you so you can stand up against me so the whole world can see my power and my glory against the backdrop of your obstinance. So that's what's going to happen. But at the beginning, I don't know if Israel sat on the edge of their chairs and stopped working because they expected that they were going to get news that, hey, we're going to leave now. Pharaoh said we could go. Didn't happen that way. Life actually got worse for them. In battles, sometimes that's what happens. Spiritual battles, sometimes that's what happens. It's always darkest just before the dawn. I don't know who said that, but it's pretty smart words. Moses makes his first demand, a request actually, and Pharaoh shuts him down and then lets the people know that it's because of what Aaron and Moses have said that they're being punished like they are. And so the people turn on Moses and Pharaoh, or Moses and Aaron. So we're just going to leave this here. The opening salvo has been launched. Moses and Aaron requested. Pharaoh shut them down. And tomorrow we'll pick up the story and see what Moses and Aaron are going to do next. All right, folks. I'm Paige. Here's my coffee. I am out of here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither should my thoughts be your thoughts. You need to think for yourself.